performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. When Jesus was twelve years of age, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew nothing about it. But they, supposing him to be in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsmen and acquaintance. And when they found Jesus wasn't it with their friends and kinfolk, they went back again to Jerusalem to look for him. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them, asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you dealt thus with us? You know, your father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not, saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a faithful teacher of the Word of God for more than 60 years. Jesus, in submission to his parents, lived life, growing in wisdom and strength, and the grace of God was upon him. Then Luke gives us a record of Jesus as a child of 12, going to Jerusalem for the Passover. And instead of returning home to Nazareth, he stayed in Jerusalem, ministering his father in the temple. So Jesus astounded the religious leaders with his questions and answers. But Mary and Joseph were distressed, thinking that he was lost in the city. But they found him in the temple. And Jesus was the center of attention for both his parents and the religious leaders. And Jesus should be the focus of our attention, affection, and faith. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell, Luke chapter 2, verse 39, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. We come again to our studies in the Gospel through Luke, and I just pray that the Lord may make these simple messages very, very precious and very clear to your heart. Now, it's true one could go a little faster and just give you the highlights in the Gospel through Luke, but I'd like to get down into your hearts as well as your minds and pick up lessons for our own selves, each one of us, that we may experience all that God has for us in Christ Jesus. We were discussing in our last lesson that God had those in that day who were led by the Spirit of God, who had a real heart for God, who were waiting and looking for the coming of the Savior, for the coming of the Messiah, and of how this man Simeon, for example, had the joy of his heart, and my, what a thrill it must have been to him to take the babe Jesus in his arms. The culmination of all his experiences was this, 
to have the Messiah, God's salvation in his arms. No wonder he could say, Master, release your bond slave according to your word. It's time to go home. There's nothing left for me down here. And then he prophesied concerning what would take place, that our Lord would be a light to light in the Gentiles as well as his people Israel. But he would also be opposed. There'd be opposition to him and that Mary herself would suffer because of this. Then we had Anna, a dear old lady who spent her final days waiting upon God, praying for God's people and waiting for the coming of the Lord and had a testimony concerning this. And I again want to say to all of you who are listening in today, if you love the Savior, irrespective of your age or experience, you can have the joy of waiting for the coming of the Lord, the joy of ministering unto the Lord in prayer, intercession, praise, and thanksgiving. And even though you may not be too active, in fact, I think if some of those of you are shut in, and I appreciate your letters, but when I think of you being shut in, and sometimes you begin to wonder, why does God leave me on the earth when I can't do anything for him? My friend, you can do a tremendous thing. In fact, I would say that one of the most marvelous and one of the most uh, yet strength-taking tasks is to be an intercessor before God in behalf of his people, in behalf of the preaching of the gospel, to be burdened for lost men and women. I believe this his ministry is just as important and possibly maybe more important than even preaching the gospel and teaching the word of God. Oh, how we need people who will give themselves to prayer and to intercession. This is part of God's program. And I declare to you that if there's no praying, if there's no interceding, then the power of God will not be upon the ministry of the word of God. And this is God's program. It's not what somebody thought up or worked out. This is God's program. How glad I am, you and I can be workers together with God in this great task of reaching our generation. Now, the rest of the chapter, second chapter of Luke, starting in at verse 39 and running through to the end of the chapter, uh, we have our Lord in his boyhood how he grew, how he increased in wisdom, and what took place. Now, let me read it to you. First of all, his growth. Uh, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, here is the question of a child. He, between his birth, eight days of age, shall I say, until he's 12 years of age. He just grew like every other normal boy. He grew physically. He was full of wisdom. He grew mentally. He was filled with wisdom. He grew mentally. And the grace of God was upon him. He grew spiritually. And this is what we want to see of every boy. We want to see them grow well physically and mentally, and spiritually. Now you notice in this period of time, it's a passive growth. That is, when a boy uh, is growing, 
He has no responsibilities. The parents take upon themselves the responsibility of raising that boy. And I believe that our Lord, when he took his place in the human family and, and became a babe, he grew just like any normal boy, physically, mentally, and spiritually. For I read, the grace of God was upon him. Wouldn't you like to have that with your boy? That little fellow that you have, he gets into everything. And I think mothers, and I speak to you young mothers especially because you have the young children, and I'm sure that a mother has a tremendous impact upon her boy and upon her girl, especially until they get to be 10 to 12 years of age. Maybe then dad may have to take over. But he's growing physically, and we're concerned about that. And we're concerned about him growing mentally. And his mind might become mature, and we're concerned about that. And the tragedy is too few boys grow spiritually. I would appeal to you mothers, you Christian mothers, may, may you be much before God, and your boy, your girl, will grow well physically, and that their minds may, may grow, they may grow in wisdom, and then the grace of God might be upon them. They grow spiritually. And don't underestimate what your boy or your girl can know of the things of God. I have been amazed, and I'm, I'm willing to give this testimony, I have been amazed at what boys and girls can pick up. Some of the greatest thrills of my life as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to have some little fellow, 9, 10, 11 years of age, come and tell me how they've enjoyed the message and give me the very outline of the message which has been given. That thrills me. That means more to me than somebody 60 or 70 or 80 years of age telling me they've been blessed of God. Have a boy come along and tell me these things, or a girl. This is thrilling to me. Don't you underestimate what your boy or girl and understand even of the things of God. And I'm sure, my friend, that when our Savior came into the human race, came as a normal boy, and he grew physically, he was filled with wisdom, he grew in mind, grew mentally, and then the grace of God was upon him. You also you find him in this question of his spiritual life. Now, starting in from verse 41, you have where, where Joseph and Mary and our Lord would go up every year to Jerusalem to the Feast of Passover. And nothing is said about that all down through these 12 years. All we know is that he's in Nazareth with Mary and Joseph and living a normal boy's life physically, mentally, and spiritually. Now when he's 12 years of age, and I'm going to read this, verse 42, when Jesus was 12 years of age, uh, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew nothing about it. But they, supposing him to be in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsmen and acquaintance. You see, there was a group of them would come down. They would travel together uh, from Galilee down to Jerusalem. They'd go in a group, and especially if they have families. And when they found Jesus wasn't it with their friends and kinfolk, uh, they went back again to Jerusalem to look for him. 
Verse 46, and it came to pass, after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them, asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you dealt thus with us? You know, your father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Now here is the boy, Jesus, 12 years of age. Now as a boy 12, they come up to Jerusalem and he became a son under the law. When a Jewish boy became 12, he took his place of responsibility. Now you'll notice from the time he was born until he was 12, uh, he had no responsibility. He just lived, in fact, his whole time was growing physically, mentally, and spiritually. But now he becomes a son under the law, and he takes his place of responsibility. No longer Joseph and Mary, but Jesus himself is responsible under the law. And they found Jesus in the temple. I don't know why they took them three days to find him, because they'd only gone a day's journey from Jerusalem. They should have gone to the temple first of all. But whoever would think of a boy 12 years of age being in the temple? And eventually they got to the temple and found him sitting in the midst of the doctors, hearing the doctors and asking them questions. Now these doctors were the teachers of God's people, teachers of the law. Uh, and as a son under the law, he had the right they come into the temple and sit down in the midst of the doctors and ask them questions. If he wants to know things of the Lord, that's where he would go. That's where any Jewish boy would go. I know, according to tradition, the Lord did a lot of things when he was a boy. But it's not so in the Bible. I think that's the imagination of some people's minds. I want to tell you the Lord Jesus grew normally as a man in the midst of men. And when he was 12 years of age, he now comes to a place of responsibility and he immediately goes into the temple, takes his place of responsibility and sits at the feet of the doctors asking and answering questions. But notice the little statement. I couldn't help but think of it as I read this over and over again. They found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors. You know, friend, wherever you find Jesus Christ, he's always in the midst, is always the center of attraction. Even when he was a baby born in Bethlehem of Judea, the shepherds came and worshipped Jesus. They didn't worship Mary, Joseph. In Matthew chapter 2, when the Magi, the wise men, came from the east, and they brought their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they didn't offer them to Mary or Joseph. They offered them to Jesus. I want to say to you that wherever Jesus is, he must be the center. As the Son of God, he cannot take second place. For example, the moment he comes on the scene at 30 years of age, John goes off the scene. John says he must increase, 
and I must decrease. Pick on the Mount of Transfiguration. You find where Moses and Elias were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. But who was the sender? What was Moses and Elijah talking about? They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about his work which he would accomplish at Jerusalem. Jesus was the center of attraction. In fact, when Peter, James, and John lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Even when our Lord was crucified, he had to be in the midst. When he stood before the Sanhedrin, he was the center. When he stood before Pilate, he was the center. And when he was nailed to the cross between two thieves, he was the center. When you come to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, 1, 2 and 3, you find Jesus in the midst of the churches. And where is he today? At the right hand of God. He's the center of attraction in heaven. As Colossians chapter 1 says, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And Philippians tells us every knee is going to bow one of these days. In heaven, in earth, and hell, all created intelligences are going to acknowledge Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus must be in the midst. In fact, he could say, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I wonder, my friend, when you gather with God's people, is Jesus in the midst of you? Is he the center of your worship, of your praise, of your thanksgiving? Sunday school teacher, pastor, missionary, teacher, when you open up the word of God, is Jesus Christ the heart and center of your message? When you sing your songs of praise to God, is Jesus the center of it? He's the preeminent one. The Father has made him preeminent. As Peter could say in Acts chapter 2, 36, this Jesus whom you took by wicked hands and crucified, God hath exalted to be Lord and Christ. And the angels of God fall down and worship him. See, friend, what I'm trying to get to your heart is that Jesus Christ, even as a man in the midst of men, was the center of attraction. He was in the midst of the doctors. And what was he doing? He was hearing them, asking them questions. And he confounded them. And he astonished them. They were amazed. Then when, when Joseph and Mary came and said, Son, why have you dealt thus with us? You've sought thee sorrowing. He said, How is it? Why did you seek me? Don't you know? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? You ever think of it? As a son under the law and an obedient son under the law, he must be about his father's business. If I were to follow this through, you remember, in John chapter 4, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. 5, 6, and 8 of John you could read, I came not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. I do always the things that please him. In the 40th Psalm, 
I delight to do thy will, O my God. Hebrews chapter 10, 5 to 10, same thing. It is written in the volume of the book of me, I delight to do thy will. O friend, our Savior, from the time he was born as a babe in Bethlehem until he went back to glory, there was never a sign of disobedience, of self-will in our Savior. Did you ever notice? The very first recorded utterance of our Lord is this one. Don't you know I must be about my father's business? These are the first recorded words of Jesus as a man in the midst of men. Don't you know I must be about my father's business? And when he was nailed to the cross, what were his last words? It is finished. He bowed his head and yielded up the spirit. He finished the job his father sent him to do. You know, Christian friend, I must ask this question. Do you think you and I will finish the task God has given us to do on earth? God has sent us as Christians back into the world to do a job for him. Are we going to do our own thing or are we going to do what he wants us to do? You know, I'm living in a day when everybody is concerned about doing their own thing. If you press that to its ultimate, you know, it means lawlessness. We as Christians, the ultimate in our life should be to do the will of our Father, the one who has redeemed us and bought us for himself. Let me finish the chapter. His Joseph and Mary didn't understand him. Then when he comes down to verse 51, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. You ever notice it? He expressed his desire for his father's will by being obedient to Joseph and Mary. And from the time he was 12 years of age until he was 30 years of age, he took a place of responsibility. May I suggest, when a child grows to be 12, between birth and 12 years of age, they have no place of responsibility. They're growing Parents are responsible. At 12 years of age, he took the place of responsibility under the law. He manifested his place of responsibility by being obedient and submissing himself to Joseph and Mary in Nazareth. And there's nothing more said about him except the last verse. These silent years between 12 and 30, his position before God, did not free him, may I say, from his responsibility to his family. Jesus increased in wisdom, that's mental, in stature, that's physical, and in favor with God and man. Oh, he increased in grace, if I can use the word there, he increased in grace by the side of God and man. Now in verse 40, as a child, he grew, waxed strong in spirit. But now between 12 and 30, I read, he increased he kept on increasing in wisdom, in maturing in body, and in grace, God and man. In grace, I may say, by the side of God and man. And the very next chapter you have where our Lord comes on at 30 years of age. May God grant to you and to me these days the joy of living and moving and working 
in obedience to the will of God. May the very passion of your life and my life be as it was in his life when he said, I do always the things that please him. May this be your portion today. When engulfed by the terror of tempestuous sea, unknown waves before you At the end of doubt and peril is eternity. Though fear and conflict seize your soul, but just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God, of breathing new air. founder of the unchanging word, Mr. Ernie Ediger, went home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ on December 12, 2020. We are thankful to God for having raised him up and enabling him to continue this teaching ministry of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Please pray with us as we continue to minister the word of God through the unchanging word Bible broadcast, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you for your support. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.